Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'm glad to see all of the ones who have come here. And, and you know, you guys at home, may the Lord bless you as you join together with us. Um, We've been hearing the news in the last few days that COVID numbers have been rising. And I want to encourage us, um, especially the believers, because the Lord said that we are the light of the world um, and the salt of the earth. We are the ones that can help other people to see how we can be a people that are protecting one another. So I want you to continue uh, maintaining the things that we've been given as COVID rules. Um, Remember, you know, bless your neighbor by maintaining those rules, hand wash and and wearing your mask all of this is useful it helps all of us um, as our guards have been going down we can see the the impact um, let's bless those people around us and then let's be an example to others so that as a country we can continue to to just enjoy good health in this in this season we we really really don't want um, that the, that the numbers will rise to the place where we start being told once again we are being um, confined and blocked in in different ways So please do maintain those rules. I'd like us to pray as we prepare for the word. Father in heaven, you gave us the word and you told us that that is what we must live on. We cannot live purely on bread alone, but it is by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So bless your word as we share it today, as we listen and as I speak as we interact in different ways, may your spirit be at, be at work in our hearts, in our lives, that we will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the saints today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And for the last six weeks, we've been doing this campaign, Better Together, learning how to deepen the sense of community that is within us, within our church, and also to reach out to the community that is around our church, those people on the outside of the community. And fellowship is really what we've been talking about. And the Bible uses a particular Greek word um, to, to describe fellowship that is Christian. And it's the word koinonia. Koinonia. The word koinonia means, is translated many different ways. And, and if you look in your outline, you'll, you'll, you'll see right at the, at the top there, and it should be on, on, on the screen, you know, a number of different ways that, that koinonia is translated because true fellowship has different facets to it. In the Bible, you know, we, we see koinonia translated as fellowship, as we see it in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4. Um, we, we've also got that passage that you have there. It's also co- translated, you know, when, when we're talking fellowship there, we're talking community. It's also translated as participation, as contribution. It is translated as generosity. You know, this is really important because all four of these aspects are essential elements of fellowship. If you and I are going to have fellowship with God and and with each other, there has to be community. You know, there has to be also participation on my part and on your part. There has to be contribution. I have to contribute to your life and you must contribute to my life. And, And there has to be generosity. You cannot have community without generosity. We are generous with our time, with our energy, with our money and resources in all the different parts of our lives. We are to be generous. You really cannot have true community 
without participation, contribution, and generosity. Now, Carl Menninger, uh, a famous psychiatrist, said this, generosity is one of the essential components of mental health. We have found that generous people are rarely mentally ill. So today, in the interest of your mental health, um, we are going to look at how to be more generous. Why does God want us to be more generous with each other? And here are seven wonderful benefits in my life when I am generous. Number one, generosity creates community. Generosity creates community. In 2 Corinthians 9, the Bible says your generosity not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also produces prayers of thanksgiving to God. You know, when we are generous to each other, we, we thank God for each other and are drawn closer to each other. Um, author Randy Frazee learned about the connection between generosity and, and community from his neighbor. And he says, you know, his neighbor, my neighbor asked if he could borrow my ladder. And I said, of course. I later learned he had one of his own. He didn't need to borrow my ladder. He just used it as a way to build our relationship. And when he borrowed my stuff, it made me feel that I was needed. And I liked that feeling. I have now learned to do the same thing with my other neighbors. Do you see the connection there between generosity and community? You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. In other words, wherever I put my time, my money, my energy, wherever I invest myself, that's what's going to draw my attention. That's where my, my heart will be leaning. You know, if you want to have a great heart for, for Kenjin, for example, just buy some shares. The moment you buy your shares, you will be very interested in that company. Wherever you put your time and money, that's where your heart is. You know, your heart may be in your work or your side hustle. You know, that's where you're investing. Or it may be in a hobby. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there. You know, some of you, your heart is in your house and you're constantly investing. You're putting your time, your money in fixing it up. I remember, I remember somebody during this COVID season mentioning how some of us are, are really house proud. It's such a big thing for us. But suddenly now, you're not getting any visitors. And you know, those people who will come in and appreciate, oh, what a wonderful house you have. It makes you reevaluate and, and ask yourself, you know, have I been focusing on the right priorities? What is it that is really important? What should I truly be investing in? Anytime when I am generous with you or I am generous with the poor or I am generous with anybody, that's where my heart tends to go. Every time I give to God, it draws my heart closer to God. I think about Him and, and I want to see what He's doing and I want to see it succeed. I'm observing all that, I'm, all that He's doing. And every time I give to you, it draws my heart closer to you. Giving or generosity grows love and grows community. The first Christians were amazing in their generosity. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible tells us all the believers were united, so they shared everything they had. You know, they, they were a family, and so they shared it all. You know, what is mine is yours, and you can share it with me. It is voluntary. It is just a generosity step. Number two, generosity defeats materialism. You know, we live in a culture of materialism. It's like the goal is to get more and more and more. 
and just about you know the time that you're catching up with your neighbor over there you suddenly realize that ah that other neighbor has overtaken both of you and and you you need to try and catch up you never never catch up there's only one antidote to materialism and it's generosity every time you are generous you have a spiritual victory in your heart you've 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 broken the grip of materialism that is on your life because materialism is all about getting and and it's my nature to get and to hold on and anytime you're generous with anybody you are defeating the materialism in your life you're you're letting go you're handing over you know Matthew 6:24 the bible says you cannot serve both god and money cannot it's an impossibility either you're serving god and so you 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 see your your money and you use your money as something that serves him or you're serving money and god is is in the background maybe in fact you're you're praying and you're trying to use or manipulate him to get money one or the other you're either serving god or you're serving money you have to choose who it is you're serving number 3 generosity strengthens my faith generosity strengthens my faith the bible says in second corinthians 9:13 it says for your generosity will prove you are obedient to the good news of christ you know there are more promises in the bible about generosity about giving than about any other subject in fact god talks more about giving than than about heaven or hell and that's amazing You know and so sooner or later you have to do to decide do I do I believe the bible do I believe those promises in the bible and here's one of them second corinthians 9 whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously and this is a principle that is seen in every part of life every area of life if you are judgmental then and and critical of other people then other people will be judging you If you are giving out encouragement and affirmation and kindness then you will receive you know encouragement and affirmation and kindness. Now sooner or later I have to ask God and ask myself am I going to trust your promises that you will take care of my needs if I am generous? You know what he asks is the very opposite of of human nature. It's my nature to hoard and 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 keep it all to myself and to be fearful and insecure and say you know if I give away anything you know I I I might actually find myself in trouble you know how will I take care of myself and so money actually becomes an acid test of my faith am I going to be generous and expect God to keep his promises you know a lot of people when 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 it comes to money we act like god isn't there we act like atheists here's a story i've used before you know but it so illustrates this this whole point you know bob took his son and bought him a packet of chips and as he was driving him back home you know those things just smell so good in the car and i know parents you you would connect with this just reaching out and and taking one of the chips um out and and eating it and so bob said You know, I just reached over and took one little chip out of my son's chips and I ate it. And my son got all upset and said, "Dad, you cannot have any. These are my chips." And Bob said, "You know, I I immediately had three thoughts. First, I thought my child had forgotten how I am the source of all chips. 
I bought him, I, I brought him to the chip shop, I made the order, I paid for the chips, and, 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 and then I handed them to him. He wouldn't have any chips at all if it wasn't for me. The only reason he has any chips is because of me, the great chips giver. The second thing I thought is my child doesn't realize that I could take them away in a second if I wanted to. Or I could buy him, you know, an entire lorry load of chips if I wanted to. I had the power to do either. And thirdly, I realized I didn't need his chips. In fact, I could easily get my own. I could buy a hundred packets of them if I wanted. I just wanted him to learn to share. Those three lessons are lessons that God wants you and I to learn about generosity. One, remember that God is the source of everything. And you would have nothing, not even your life, if it wasn't for him. Number two, he could take it all away from you just like that. Or he could double it just like that. He has the power to. And number three, God says, I really don't need your chips. I don't need your money. I'm not poor. You know, I just want you to learn to be unselfish and generous. I want to develop your faith. What happens when I start to become more generous, as a more generous person? I want to look at, let's look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9.8. The Bible says, God is able to give you more than you need so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. You know, God is looking for channels that he can use. He is looking for people who will say, you know, God, you know, use me to bless other people. I want to be a blessing to other people to do the work that you desire. And God is saying, if you learn to be generous, I will bless you more than you can imagine. I will use you to be that blessing. You, all of us have had have heard stories um, of this. And it's really real. I have seen people who give a sacrificial gift when it just doesn't make sense. You know, they didn't have the spare cash and, and, and yet the Lord enabled and, and blessed them as they did this. In May, one of our members, um, you know, he told me how he had to take a 50% pay cut because of COVID. And then, and then he said, I've decided to double my giving. You know, how do those two work together? But God has seen him through. And, and the other day he asked me, you know, how's the giving of the church? And, and this is a person who is continuing to think about what more he can do. This is a man that's investing in the kingdom. His treasure is truly God and he sees more of God. He experiences more of God. He is blessed by God. His faith grows. Right now we are in a building program as we respond to God's call. Um, developing our worship and community center that will be building disciples, you know, and, and, and bringing transformation in our own lives and then to the lives of, of many, many people, lives of our neighbors, lives into the generations that are ahead. You know, we're thinking children, we're thinking youth, we're thinking adults, impacting generations. And here's an opportunity to look at it a little bit differently. Instead of thinking about it just as fundraising, we can do faith raising faith raising. We, as we are generous towards God, our faith will grow. You know, thinking about the 50 million target for our special Thanksgiving Sunday on 6th December, it can look like it's a little bit beyond us. 
but think it think about it like this think about this we are about 1500 adults pre covid you know attending this church so let's use the figure of 1000 because some people are you know they're they're going to be coming forward as couples and we have a variety of realities in our lives and so let me split that number up so say two of us were able to raise 5 million from themselves and and from their friends and networks three do 2 million and five others do 1 million and say another 10 do 500,000 and and 30 raise 200,000 and 50 do 100,000 that 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 is 100 people doing that and then you know each of them giving according to his or her ability and then say another 100 of us are ma- managed to raise 50,000 each 200 of us raise 20,000 300 of us raise raise 10,000 and and 100 of us do 5,000 and and the other the other 200 you know raise less than that but look at an average of 2500 do you see how much that gets to 50 million each one giving according to what they have whether it's from their own funds or through their networks or raising you know interacting with others is this possible you know sometimes we're afraid to to step forward because to step forward in faith In a sense it's a, it's a little bit we we have this fear but God is saying be strong and very courageous whenever we are called to do something by God the thing that we need to do is like Joshua to be strong and very courageous do not hold back do not be afraid you know so so will you look at this and and think about a target for yourself where would you want to be there and and let's strengthen our faith by stepping forward into what God is calling us and by the way this needs all of us Rachel and I did did over 3 million um in 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 the July fundraising and we'll be aiming to be in that 1 million bracket um during this time this time round but alone we can't achieve God's will we can't you know it has to be all hands engaged we are better together and generosity strengthens my faith number 4 when i am generous with other people it's an investment for eternity an investment for eternity. Luke 16:9. Let's read this one together. The Bible says, "Use your worldly wealth to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will become they will welcome you to an eternal home." You know, every time you are generous with the poor, with a friend, with a neighbor, anybody, you are building community, relationships that will be a blessing to you into eternity. Now your time on earth is only going to be 80 or at most 100 years. You will spend trillions of years in eternity. Where do you need to have your biggest investment? 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible says, you know, command the rich. And by the way, that's most of us. You know, if if you are earning more than 700 shillings a day, you are above the average Kenyan. And if you have a car in the family, you are in the top 10%. And God is saying, command those who are rich in this present world to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life it's own it's the only safe investment for eternity you know it's as we as we are generous and you'll be living a fruitful christian life here as well You make a living 
by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you give. Number five, generosity brings God's blessings to me in return. It blesses me in return, in the present. I don't have to wait for heaven. You know, this is stated over and over in the Bible. God blesses those who are generous. Um, God gives lots of promises about how generosity will bless me in return. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 15 is a, is a great example. The Bible says, give generously and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Circle the word all and everything. You know, God says, I will bless you in all that you do and in everything you put your hand to. How many of us would like to be blessed like this, would like this to happen in our lives? Amen. Yeah, it's all of us. And here is the question. Do you really believe that? If you don't, you should take a pair of scissors and cut it out of your Bible because you don't believe it. It is amazing how how many people how some people can can trust god for their eternal salvation you know but don't trust god with their finances you know what is the logic behind that one you know in other words i can trust god because you know from from for the cleansing of all my sins and to get me into heaven and to give me eternity but i don't trust him to keep his promise about money really you know, I feel sorry for people who, who are stingy because they don't trust God. They miss out on so many blessings. God says, I will bless you in return if you are generous. And here's the sixth reason. Generosity produces happiness. Happiness. Acts 20, 35. It quotes Jesus. There is more happiness in giving than in receiving. More blessedness, more happiness, joy. You know, who is, who is it that is happier in life is it the takers or the givers it's the givers you know the takers aren't happy they are scared that they're gonna lose what they've got they're they're insecure and and they're stressed they they're not happy you know it's not by accident that the the words miser and miserable come from the same greek word you know when i'm a miser i'll be miserable you know but the happiest people are the most generous have you ever given something to somebody, something meaningful to somebody? And it could be something as small as, as a lift. Um, you know, a small thing like a chicken. It could be giving a parent um, school fees for, the, for their child. You see the joy and relief um, that it gives it, the, on, on the face of that person. And it gives you a deep sense of, of happiness and meaning in your heart. And it's especially meaningful when you can do this face-to-face -face in person because when you connect with a real person, you know, that, that is the exchange of love. Love is personal. You know, I've experienced this so many times, so many times. And, and giving to God, you know, when, I, when I've started by praying and talking to Him and, and then I give enough that I feel that this is meaningful, you know, that, that it's a response to what He has given to me, the, what He's done in my life, it's deep. It's really deep. Honestly, you know, I've gotten to where I really struggle when I can't give. Now you can be an answer to somebody's prayer. 
if you are alert, you're aware and, and you're generous and willing to help and give of your time, your resources, your money, your energy, your contacts, whatever it is that you might give, it will, it, it will be used. God will use you. And, 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 and you know what? When you become that generous person, you know, your life becomes an adventure because, you know, God is going to be using you and working through you over and over and over. You'll be seeing what God does. Here is the seventh reason why God wants us to be more generous. And, and I think it's the most important of all. Generosity makes me more like God. It makes me more like God. God is generous. John 1, 16. Out of the fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all, giving us one blessing after another. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son. You know, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's the essence of love. It's the essence of fellowship. You know, God, God talks more about giving and generosity than he talks about heaven and hell in the Bible. I wonder whether, I mean, did you know that? It's, it's, it's because he wants us to be like him. He wants us. This is an important part of his nature. You know, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. He already owns all the chips. So if he owns them all, he can give us more. You know, our security is not in a bank account. Our security is in God. My security is in God. And that's a lot more secure than the stock exchange or the plots that we Kenyans are so psyched up about. So we so believe in them. You know, I want to share a testimony from, from Rick Warren, um, who is the author of the book that we are studying. Um, he, he, back in 1993, they were planning to build a sanctuary. And this is what he says. I was reading the Bible and preparing my heart. And I was reading in the Old Testament about how King David was leading a fundraising for the temple. In it, God told David, I want you to announce to the people what you're going to give so you can be a model. And I thought, that's nice for David. And God said, no, I mean you. Oh, no. Yes, I mean you. And I said, oh, God, I don't want to do that. You know, it would be misunderstood and, you know, all sorts of other reasons. I, 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 I feel him, you know, all sorts of questions. But God said, you can. It's not just for their benefit. It's for your benefit. You need to trust me in this. And I went to Kay, that's his wife, and I said, let's start praying about what would be our gift. And we got back together and we found we had come up with the same number. We both felt that God was telling us to give two full years of salary. Now at that time, my salary was $50,000 a year. That was a $100,000 gift. We lived in a 120 square meters home, and that's really small. And I built my kids' bedrooms in the garage. And God is saying, I want you to give $100,000 to this building, and you must trust me. I said, God, what am I supposed to live on for the next two years? And he said, do you really believe the Bible? Yeah. Well, then trust me. So the next week I stood up and my knees were quaking and I said, I don't want to do this. But the Bible talks about the leaders leading the way. And God has told us to give $100,000 to this offering. And I went home and I thought, you fool. What in the world have you done? You know, I have no idea. I had no idea where I was going to get that money and what we were going to live on. But four days before that offering, it was four weeks later, a publishing company called me on the phone and said, Rick, 
we think you should be an author and we want you to write a book called The Purpose Driven Church and, 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 and on and on. And I said, you know, that sounds like a good idea. So we are going to send you a contract for $150,000. All right, God. Okay. You know, and the next week I got up and I announced to the whole church and the place went crazy. We were all clapping and cheering. And you know what? I would not give anything for the lessons that I learned in faith that day. Now, I'm not where Rick Warren is, but I'd like to grow. I'd like to grow like that. I want to serve God, you know, no matter, you know, and, and in every way that I can. You know, it's easy sometimes to look back and think we've given up a lot for God. Many people have, have told me, you know, that, that, that I really made a big sacrifice in changing from my career in an engineer, as, as an engineer. And financially, it was going really, really well for us. But I was doing what God wanted. And it has been immeasurably to my benefit. I need to keep on growing in the grace of giving. You know, faith and growth, faith and growth steps are now. You know, they are in the present and I can't live in the past. I can't look back and, and say, I gave so much in the past that I don't need to do it again. You know, two years ago, Rachel and I set a faith target to give from our personal resources for this project. And earlier this year, we decided to go out to our networks and, and ask our friends who are not participants, people who are not part of this congregation. And so, the, so far, the Lord has enabled us to bring in collectively, bring it all together. It's about 5.5 5 .5 million. And that's almost double what we had, you know, what, what our initial faith pledge was. And, and we know that the Lord will continue to enable us to give. You know, we have grown. And I hope that we keep on growing. So how can I practice generosity? How do you have the attitude that God wants us to have when we give? The Bible has a lot to say about that. It starts with our heart. You know, God is, is a lot more interested in your willingness than in your wealth. A lot more interested in your willingness because he's interested in what's in the heart. Let's, let's read together 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12. Let's read it together. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Can it be clearer than that? God wants your attitude and motivation to be right. In 2 Corinthians 9-7, it talks specifically about four key heart attitudes. You must make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. So note down the four attitudes. First, you give thoughtfully. The Bible says that you make up your own mind. Don't give impulsively. You know, many of us think that the most spiritual kind of giving is when, is, is when somebody, is, is when you somehow give spontaneously. When somebody comes to you and, and, and tells you something and, and you just say, I'm going to empty my wallet. I'm going to empty and give everything. This is not the most spiritual kind of giving. God is saying, I want you to think about it and pray about it. I want you to make up your mind about this. We plan anything that is important to us and God wants us to plan our giving. He wants he wants it to be important, he wants it to be meaningful to us. So that's one of the heart attitudes. You give thoughtfully. Number 2, you give enthusiastically, not reluctantly. You don't give out of guilt or fear. You know, I have to give or God is going to strike me dead with a thunderbolt. 
You give because you are part of God's family and, and, and you want to participate. You want to see that family blessed and you want to participate in God blessing others. Third, you give voluntarily. Voluntarily. You don't do it under pressure. Let me be clear about this. If you ever feel pressured to give, don't give. Don't give. And some of you right now are thinking, I feel pressured because of what you're saying right now. And, and I need to respectfully say to you, we are not pressuring you to give. We are not. You know, we know that God does not bless gifts that are given under pressure. So we, why should we? Why should we pressure you? We want you to grow. But on the other hand, it just might be that it's God talking to you. It just might be Him giving you a challenge. Here is a basic rule, th rule of thumb as we, as we think about these things. Anytime you give because of pressure, it's not the kind of giving that God wants and you shouldn't expect blessing from Him. But every time you feel challenged by God, then you better give because only He knows what He's going to do in your life and through the gift that you decide to give, that I would decide to give. And then finally, God loves a person who is giving cheerfully. It's, it's interesting that the word that is translated there, cheerful, is the word hilaron, which, which is the one that we developed the word hilarious from. So if we are going to be doing our offering right, we should be celebrating during the offering because it's hilarious. It's filling our hearts with joy and laughter. Because you cannot have true joy. I cannot have true joy without giving, without generosity. But it's not always easy. Sometimes it's a challenge to think how I can be cheerful when God is challenging me to give. And when you feel that way, just remind yourself of the benefits. These seven things that God wants to do in our hearts. Let's, let's read together those fill-ins in, in our outline. You know, our generosity, it creates community. It defeats materialism. It strengthens faith. It's an investment for eternity. It brings God's blessings to me in return. It produces happiness. It makes me more like God. Amen? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 16, Celebrate the Harvest Festival to honor the Lord by bringing Him a free will offering in proportion to the blessing He has given you. A free will offering. In proportion to the blessing that God has given you. Has God blessed you? That's the reason to celebrate. You know, the more you understand how much God has blessed you, the more you want to bless Him. You know, some of us, we think, you know, God, you know, all the money I have is, a, is, is about how hard or how smart I've worked. You know, and all the relationships that I have, they're about me and my family. They're about my school, my, my workplace. Let's start with you. Let's start with you. You're alive because of God. You have family and other relationships because God made you and he made them. You know, the, the, you know when it comes to your gifts, your brain, the, the energy that you have, the source of everything that you have is God. The more we understand how much God has blessed us, the more our heart wants to say thank you in a real 
and practical way. You know, the whole reason we have Karura Chapel, the whole reason that we do any of all that we do is because of the generosity of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Obviously, he's not talking about money. He's talking about true riches of life. The God of the universe humbled himself and came to this earth in human form. And he went through all the trials and tribulations and, and troubles that we do. And then he allowed himself to be falsely accused, put on a cross, and crucified. This is the God who created it all. Everything. He gave everything. To the point of his own poverty. To the point of the loss of his life. So that he could give life to you. The only reason you're going to heaven is because of the generosity of Jesus Christ. That's why he wants us to learn to be generous. We give because he first gave us. Let's bow our heads. I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Dear God, I know that everything that I have is a gift from you. I would have nothing if you were not generous. And I know that you want me to learn to be like you. Help me remember that every time I am generous, it creates community and it strengthens my faith. Help me to see, to see it as an investment for eternity. Jesus, I know that I will never be able to repay you because of all the things that you've done for me. But I want to learn to be generous, to become like you, to look at the things that, that Father, you want us to do, and then to give thoughtfully and meaningfully and enthusiastically and voluntarily and cheerfully. Help me prepare to give in a way that gives you joy. And so first I give myself to you. I give you my life. And then, Lord, I want to give back to you some of what you have given to me. Help me as I prepare. Help me as I think. Help me as I listen to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.